part, we've been around long enough, or I, I should say continuous improvement has been around long enough in the state that I think we're in a really good place now that people aren't as reluctant you know, to be able to step into that, to be able to say, okay, to come to the table willingly. Podcast Season 3. We are happy to have with us today, Sean Daffenbaugh. Did I get the last name right? We are happy to have with us today, Shanye Daffenbaugh. Shane Daffenbaugh. Not even close. <laughs> we are happy to have with us today, Shane Daffenbaugh from the state of Nebraska, Continuous Improvement Project Manager. That sounds like it could be really cool and really scary all at the same time. Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you. And, and yes, it can be both of those things. Really yeah. super rewarding, but also somewhat frightening at times. And of course, frustrating, as you would expect. Yeah, I imagine. So uh, before we kind of dig in, why don't you tell folks a little bit about yourself? So the bulk of my career was I was a pastor for 18 years, um, bounced around the country doing that, um, and then decided to resign and step out of that. I did some uh, higher education, was pursuing one of my projects for a doctoral program. And so I stepped out of that and I had to get a real job and had to get, you know, one that was more of a nine to five. And so what, what that got me um, was an operations manager for a small company of electricians. I did outside sales and ops for them for about four years. And then um, I needed to find a different job and I put you know, put my, uh, threw my name in the hat for this particular job, which at the state of Nebraska, it's called a process improvement coordinator. Didn't know anything about it. I read the description. It was like, wow, they use a lot of really weird words, like lean six sigma and, and all kinds of those, the, the lean language. And I was like, uh, I don't know. We'll just see what happens. Two months later, they give me a call or it felt like two months. It probably wasn't, but it felt like two months later, gave me a call and said, Hey, you want to interview? I'm like, for what? And then I felt like I was back in college because I had three days to cram, went to the library, <laughs> grabbed all kinds of books, read, watched YouTube, did everything I could so that I could like catch up to speed. So at least I had an idea of what they were talking about. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, it's been a super fun journey. I've been with the state now for a little over three years. Um, I am the husband of one wife and the father of two kids. And like I said, live here in Nebraska. It's uh, not where I thought I was going to land. What I tell people is I was just leaving Michigan um, after getting my master's degree. And we landed here for a pit stop to get some gas. I got out to use the bathroom. I came back and they already left me. So I've been stranded <laughs> here ever since. So. Awesome. Awesome. Well, welcome to the show. We're we're happy to have you on. And yeah, unfortunately, the uh, job descriptions don't come with like the magic decoder ring. Um, or Japanese. Right. right. <laughs> I've been searching the bottom of my cornflakes box for years trying to find that thing. But uh, my favorite part, you know, there's a place for jargon, obviously, for like professionals to communicate to each other sure. in a crisp way. Um, but my favorite part is the tribalism that arises out of like different types of jargon for the same stuff. Um, 
you know, you'll have like almost like tribe signaling or virtue signaling around like what kind of language you use to refer to the same thing, yeah. you know, and then you got guys like uh, Jake who don't give a damn. We're just trying to fix something. You know, the point <laughs> is that we all understand each other, <laughs> you know, uh, I remember one LinkedIn post I was talking about, um, I think it was Genshi Kimbutsu. And, you know, it's a transliteration. Like, it's it's Japanese, and we write use English letters to try to get close to the pronunciation. Right. And somebody got in the comments and was like, you spelled it wrong. <laughs> like, well, pardon me for transliterating what I heard my sensei say verbally <laughs> and get the spelling wrong, you know. But it's just, you know, it's all over the place where, you know, it's the opposite of the spirit of lean, which is basically empowering the people doing the work, right? Um, instead, I see the language used to like separate people, you know, like you're you're not in the club. It's a little different where we're at here in the state. Um, and and I, I totally agree with, you know, the, the lingo and the language and, and kind of suddenly your, your loyalty lies here and you know, it's, you take yourself way too seriously, or some people take themselves way too seriously, because I see some of those silly arguments on LinkedIn and whatnot. At, at the state, um, we while we're not trying to be here at Nebraska, I should say, I can't speak to any other state, but when I say the state, I'm talking about Nebraska. We're not trying to necessarily promote the language, but we are trying to have a very standard language because operational excellence, the way we do it at the state, um, there's people like me that are embedded in all the agencies. And sometimes we transfer in and out and go back and forth and around. So we're, what we try for is some kind of a standardization, not necessarily uniformity, but a standardization. So we, we tend to be a little bit particular about language, um, but that's simply just to make sure that everyone understands. So when I, you know, if you're, John, if you're at the Department of Agriculture and Jake's at Department of Corrections, and I'm working with both of you. We want to have the same language so that you understand. Hey, oh, I know what you're saying. When you say Kaizen, you mean this. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. When you say huddles, Jake, you mean this. Oh, okay. So we're, we we try to um, kind of make it uh, accessible, easily accessible to anyone in regards to language. But we are we try to be also very particular about just that. Let's all talk the same language. I mean, there are here at the state of Nebraska, there are almost 30 of us that are in my capacity spread around. Um, so we, we make sure we network, we make sure we've all been trained the same way, again, so that we could go anywhere with, with any, within any other agency and just pick up, you know, whatever's been going on and still be able to run with it without missing a beat. So I, don't, yeah, they, I, they, I agree, uh, I don't want to be about, you know, defending my lingo <laughs> yeah no that communication right what's that communication communication and clarity you know is is really important foundational elements um to what we're trying to do so i think for a lot of our listeners probably you know certainly for me like learning that states have continuous improvement or process improvement professionals um is maybe a surprise or something new. Yeah. Um, right. It just tickles me when I heard his title. I yeah. Just, this yeah. is a real thing. This exists. <laughs> yeah. Has Washington heard about this? <laughs> um, <laughs> so why don't you explain to us a little bit about like how that works? 
right in the state of Nebraska. Okay. Okay. Um, so yeah, so it is a real thing. It's a real title. Um, and it was created, um, like outside of, of this, we're, we're fairly, uh, we're fairly young. We're about six years old here in, as far as continuous improvement, you know, the center of operational excellence is kind of the hub at the state of, of operational excellence and, and continuous improvement and all of that. Um, there, that, um, it's not really an agency. It's kind of like embedded in Department of Administrative Services, but there's a director there and, and his vision, Matt Singh's vision was to embed people into the agencies, into each of the agencies, all the code agencies, um, because he had seen how consultants can come in and they can make some great suggestions, but the, the continuity and the follow through wasn't there. So you're spending all this money for consultation and, and all that, but there's no follow through. So within six to eight months, thing falls flat. And, and his idea was, well, what if we had people that were literally embedded here? So we've been hiring people, you know, as people transition. Um, it's an amazing program, the, the way we have it set up, because it's not just about helping the states um, or helping the agencies become more efficient and effective in their state government. But it also has this really weird, or I shouldn't even say weird, I should actually say amazing way of growing people. So we have, um, we do have some attrition with the process improvement coordinators because we're each embedded into our agencies. We're working there with, you know, our agency directors, we're doing some great stuff. But it, there's several, probably 10 to 12 in these last six years, at least 10 to 12 that have gone on to do bigger and better things. Maybe they actually became a deputy director of an agency. Maybe they went out to a different private corporation. But one, you know, one of the things that we're really about um, is, is growing the individual, not just how can we improve state government, but understand that in doing so, I get exposed to some amazing things and become can become very valuable outside of the state or at, at an even another level of the state. So there's some great training that comes in. We have a, just depends on how we're doing the training. If it's a cohort, if there's many of them together, we'll train those, train them up. They actually have to um, not just learn the stuff, but they have to put it in practice before we say they're certified and you're good to go. They have to have two projects um, that, that incorporate, you know, going through our methodology. We use Lean Six Sigma here at the state. Um, and, and I think it works really well for the state of Nebraska. I can't say that every state should do it, but it works amazingly well at the state of Nebraska the way we have it done. It has the great qualities of Lean about valuing people, removing waste, adding value to what we're doing. Um, but the way we also do it, we also want that data side of the Six Sigma. We want, we want to prove that, hey, you know what, Jake said that he, you know, was able to um, improve this process with whatever he did. And here's how. We have this little sheet that says his ROI, he saved in a year, he'll save roughly 3,000 man hours, you know, in this little process improvement that he was able to do. So we were able to keep and verify those savings. Um, which is which is a pretty amazing thing. It's not just about, hey, let's get better at what we're doing. You know, let's show the state that, listen, we're using your tax dollars in a, a very um, cautious way. We're, we're very aware that you, you giving us this money is for a particular purpose and we want to do the best that we can with it. So here's how we're making these savings. Um, and it's, 
I don't know. It's it's a pretty awesome setup, I believe, here at the state of Nebraska. First off, it becomes a really easy sell when company offers you offers a John or a Jake. Here's fifty grand. Come in, do this process improvement. We save you a million bucks. It becomes really, really easy to make that sell to a board to people who are financially invested, right. and then for people. If you're actually solving their problems, you're giving them the power and authority to review their system and solve their own problems, and they go on and up, that's the best version of attrition that like could possibly exist. And honestly, I've never worked for a company that's measured that in any meaningful way. Of course, they measure retention, they measure turnover of some type, but not if all your guys are going up and on to great things, aren't you winning? Isn't that even better than people that stick around with you for your whole life? Yeah, we, we, we definitely we definitely see that and think so. And like I said, it has been an intentional part of it. Um, it's an understanding that this is what, what's going to happen. It's a little bit sad when we see them leave because that means they've been doing great stuff for their agency. Um, but we can also say, hey, fantastic. And I think we have a pretty good system that we could pretty much even bring in Jake and and train him up a little bit, give him a little bit. Have a, a good shot of success. And, and he could he could be pretty successful. Yeah, awesome. So I found um, that in matrixed or siloed organizations and also bureaucratic organizations, like the Lean Six Sigma works very well, uh, partly because of the project charter approach and right. the demiac structure, uh, which speaks to everybody. So um, it seems like that would be a good fit, like for state governments, um, because it it aligns everybody you know i've yeah. i've worked in some like lean factories uh where everybody involved you know goes to gemba every day and you see the progress like happening um so that's that's very efficient but it's not available you know when you have a whole state you know that's highly siloed and right you know this guy over here needs to know what's going on in this other um department um, so I, I think, uh, that sounds like it could work out, you know, really well. So, you know, kind of going down that a little bit, uh, your project portfolio, you know, what you manage, are you assigned to like a specific division of the state of Nebraska? Do you work with multiples? How does that work out? So I, I am embedded in, um, the, the department of transportation. That's where my home is. And so I do a lot of projects with, with the department, within the Department of Transportation and all the different divisions in the department. Um, but at the level that I'm at, I've also been trained to, so, so that's called green belt, where we, ha we have the belt system. So white belt is, everyone is trained white belt all across the state, just to give an idea. It's like a 30 minute training. Here's what process improvement is. We want you to know this is what we're about. We're striving for these things, kind of an inoculation. Then we have yellow belt, which is training for supervisors, most often, not necessarily, but for supervisors, gives them a handle on how to do a huddle, how to use visual management, some simple problem solving that they might be able to do in their group. Um, the next level of training is a certified main leader. And that's kind of yellow belt with a lot more tools. We give you a lot more rapid problem solving tools. Um, so, so that then they can, the idea, the hope behind that is, that I could use those certified lean leaders if there's a problem that John has that, I mean, I don't have to be the one to do it. If I can take Jake, who's my certified lean leader, we can go in and talk to John. Oh, Jake, what do you think this should be? Oh, Jake can take 
great. Let's let's do a quick fishbone. Fantastic. Thanks, Jake, for doing that. And you know, Jake and John can can move move forward with some rapid problem solving. Then we have the green belts who are full time, um, and there are some expectations that we produce that we have um, right now. The easiest way is to just count project points, just to make sure that we are being um, good with the money that we're being paid. Okay, so we we want to show the results that we have. So, hey, we have these particular, there's a whole bunch of different kind of projects we can do. So the green belt does that. And those green belts are embedded in their agencies. And then, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm up a level. I am a black belt, um, which means that I can do, I, I am called to be involved in bigger multi-agency events um, or things that are directly come across the governor's the governor's office, maybe there's some issues that the governor calls to the Center of Operational Excellence says, hey, Matt, we got this issue. We'd love, could you guys come and help this agency with, or these particular agencies with this problem? Uh, maybe it's maybe it's kind of political and we want to make sure that it, that, you know, one of the things that we're known for at the Center of Operational Excellence is results. So we go in and we'll, we'll do the best that we can and give you the best results that we can. So I get to have fun mingling around with all kinds of people, um, not just my state agency, but I do I do have to say probably the DOT is probably the best. We have a great team there. Some awesome. agencies have multiple um, process improvement coordinators. You know, they have a team. And then some of the smaller agencies um, like finance and banking, insurance and economic development, they share one pick, one process improvement coordinator. Um, for all of their work, just because they're smaller. So it just depends on, you know, how many. And I believe just about every agency was one of the, the governors, um, the current governor that we have, um, Pete Ricketts, it was, it was his intent to have a process improvement coordinator, at least one at every agency working on this. Um, so yes, we're siloed, but we can also like cross pollinate and and help each other out. As, what, as what's a state the... What's the funnest thing you've gotten to touch in your time there? The the funnest thing that what? I'm sorry? That you've gotten to be a part of projects, communication, initiatives. Um or is it all boring? It's all it's all government stuff. No, it's it's I think <laughs> I think I think it's all fun because I love people. I mean, that that was a natural transition from my previous 18 years when I, you know, when I when I stepped out of pastoral ministry and said, okay, now what am I gonna do? No idea. Um, and just stumbled upon this and found that, wow, that's, that's a great transition. Just the people skills, the listening skills, the valuing people and the wanting the better for them. So it's, it's worked out well. So just about anything that involves people has been really fun for me. Um, I've had some really simple projects where we just mapped some stuff out and, you know, it was, it was like an hour and a half and found out that the main pain was, a long time ago, someone told the ladies that were making these labels, they had to cut the edges off. And it was taking an extra like three to four minutes because they were doing a, a whole bunch of these, but they had to trim this. And I was like, why do you have to trim it? Oh, and found out that you don't have to, there was no reason for it. Oh, okay. And then I've been involved in some other ones um, that are really political and pretty big um, kind of sore spots. Maybe there was some not 
fraud or anything, but maybe some discrepancies in the way things were reported or recorded. And we had to go back and figure out, okay, so how do you do this? Let's map this all out and make sure that we have everything in place for it. Um, that's one of the things that I, I do love is uh, that I find it just so much fun is doing visual management, using visuals, whether it be um, you know, the sticky notes on the wall, whether it be drawn out a, a fishbone, doesn't matter, just giving them something tangible to look at and have them go, oh, I didn't see it this way. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, Jake and I have some good stories about that. But um, Jake, I think, you know, the most effective tool we have in our tool belt, right, when we're starting off is just put a damn swim lane map up on the wall where everyone can see it, right? Right. More than once, John and I have had a problem be solved just by doing that. Like you didn't have just to take actions that. or come to a different result yeah. or direction. Just, oh, this is how this works. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Understanding the process, visualization, um, you know, different people learn different ways, but we all have a pretty high visual learning component because, you know, for those of us that are sight able, um, right. it's just a, a very central part of development as a human um and we can talk theoretically about what a process is you know and and all of that but when folks just see like the bubbles in a row it just kind of clicks for most people um and a lot of folks can take action uh without prompting at that point you know so so we we love visual management as well um now how about like cross department processes right are there processes for the state government that cross through multiple departments and have you guys had to sort of wrangle departments to work together um yes and sort of so yes there has been um i've been involved in a couple different projects that um like last year we got an auditor's report for the state that had some um, some some issues in it or some recommendations and it required us to gather together as a coe with with the majority of our enterprise um, and set these little meetings together to try to make sure everyone is on the same on the same page we mapped everything out so it was you know all the different i think it's like 26 something different code agencies we we're working with all of them trying to make sure that that everyone had kind of the same thing and that the state auditors got what they needed, you know? Okay, so how do you do it? How are you gonna get them to it so that we have it on time? Um, and for the most part, we've been around long enough or I, I should say continuous improvement has been around long enough in the state that I think we're in a really good place now that people aren't as reluctant, you know, to be able to step into that, to be able to say, okay, to come to the table willingly. Um, they see some value in it. So all of that is, you know, a, a great thing. So when are you going to go to the DMV? Because like they need them. <laughs> <laughs> they, they need some help. Well, it's funny that you bring that up, Jake, because uh, funny, I've though? lived in, well, I've lived in uh, last count was like 15 states, something like that. Um, maybe more than that. And you know, the, the DMV in particular has got like a um, reputation regardless, but I've been to some states where it was fucking awesome. Uh, Minnesota's one um, huh? in, you know, downtown Minneapolis, busy, busy. You go in, 
it's visually managed as a big number one. There's a queue there, 30 seconds tops, you're moving to number two and then three or whatever. Right. Um, at each station, they tell you, you know, take this, go to number five, you know. And I was in and out, photographed, licensed, everything in 17 minutes because I timed it. That's um, amazing. Yeah. And there was like 300 people in there. Texas, um, if you're so, listening, please call yeah. Minnesota. Please <laughs> right. call Minnesota. And then there were other states, <clears throat> um, you know, right. not so good. And then South Carolina was terrible because the um, different centers, right? They don't all do everything. And you also can't find out very easily on the website, you know, so depending on what you're trying to do, this one does a driving test, but this one doesn't, this one does a driving test, but doesn't do CDLs, you know, this one, you can do the test, but there's no photography center. So you have to go over here to get your license, Um, you know, not very well uh, organized or clear. Um, So yeah, to me, it's interesting because there is like this cultural trope about the DMV, um, even in uh, what was that show, um, the blacklist, like his little sidekick or whatever, is oh, like yeah. the DMV. Yeah, he's the DMV we guy. For the, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but in real life, like it's uh, you know it's highly varied from from state to state depending on you know how it's run and so. And yeah, and I, I'm not sure I quite understand it because. Um, you know, a, a little self-disclosure here. My wife actually worked for the DMV for four years. And I got well, a good that's why you didn't laugh when I made the comment. She can hear us. Because <laughs> it was too painful. It's too painful. Jake, it's too soon. Too soon. I'm sorry. But it but it is, you know, it's it's kind of crazy just in general. Um, when you see a system that could really improve and you just see some simple things that could be done. And yet, um, you know, they're, they're not moving forward with it, or maybe, I mean, there's a lot of things going on. And what, what I love about working with the state, you know, and, um, and it's a little bit different than private companies, especially with the state being kind of a service transactional process improvement. So there's, you know, we can do Gemba walks and we, we highly encourage those. It's just not the same as walking down to the plant floor you know, instead you're walking to the cubicle and saying, hey, Jake, what do you got on your computer screen? What are you working on? You know, not quite the same, but but the opportunities for the state are, you know, they're endless simply because I, I have yet to find a state, and maybe I'm just naive about this, but a state that is just swimming in money. You are you know, in Nebraska, though. You know, come to Texas. I mean, we... We we work our budget really well, but it's pretty lean. As in, you know, there are always states are always trying to find you know ways to cut the money to reallocate for this or that. So there's always opportunities for to become more efficient and effective in what we do. But at the same time, because it's not driven by profit, the workers sometimes you know they're just about I'm just going to keep my head down. You know, I've been doing this mm-hmm. job in this cubicle for 15 to 75 years. You know, or or they have a limited capacity. I mean, I find that probably more than people are reluctant. And I do find reluctant people that just push back. Hey, this is fine. Get your fingers out of my oatmeal. You know, I I don't need anything. This is just another one of those fads. When the next government come, next governor comes, we'll have another fad. I'm just writing it out. You know, that mentality is definitely there. But what I find more often is, okay, literally, when am I going to have time? I'm already behind, and I have this pressure of these things, yeah. especially, 
I, I can't speak so much to other organizations or other agencies, but I know the DOT is all about project delivery, right? We're all about, hey, we got to build this road and there's a time frame to plan it and, you know, organize it, put it out to bid, all those things. So they're always, or it seems like that's the bigger thing is where's the capacity that I have to actually work on this? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a, it's a balance. It's, it's, it's a challenge. And, and I, I don't take it lightly when they do give me their time to say, okay, come on in. You know, I'm, I'm willing to spend some time with you, whether that be like a three day Kaizen event or, you know, just a two hour, you know, meeting that we, we have multiples of those for the next couple of weeks or even a month. You know what state government, uh, I wouldn't say they're, swimming in money, but they're very well run financially is uh, Maryland. Uh, yeah. I think they have a, can't remember, a few million dollar budget surplus. And uh, they actually just suspended the state gasoline tax uh, to compensate wow. for like high gas prices for folks. Yeah. To be able to afford that. Um, That's pretty awesome. You know, they're, yeah, they're, they're really running the state uh, pretty well, um, at least in, in financial regard, right. which you know, it's pretty important. If you don't get that right, then nothing else is going to work out. Um, you know, it's pretty foundational. And that's something that I've run across with like nonprofits or not-for-profits. Um, I get it, especially like healthcare and stuff like that. You'll frequently uh, hear, you know, we're not in this for the money. You know, we're in the business of saving lives, not making money, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and I get it, but at the same time, I don't think it's true. Like, you yeah, save more lives with more money? Yes. Um, well, not in America. No. <laughs> you know, it's like you have to you have to have the cash flows to stay open. That's how the economy works, right? It's not your purpose, but it is necessary. You could say it's right. necessary but not sufficient uh, to meet your goals, right? Um, so, how does that look? You know, for you in state government. I'm sure some projects require capital allocation and stuff like that. Um, talk about the money wrangling a little bit. Um, we actually don't do a lot of money wrangling. We try to keep, there's a couple of things we try to keep off. You know, it's almost like we have an inbounds and out of bounds on, on many of our charters. And typically money is one of them just because, uh, well, I'll, I'll say why in just a second. Money is one of them and IT is often another one. Um, that we try to keep out of scope for what we're doing. And, and simp- the, the biggest reason for that is the length of time that it takes. Once you start involving wrangling money, once you start trying to implement IT solutions um, at the state, there is some bureaucracy that's involved with that, right? And oh, and the other thing is um, legislative issues. You know, if there's right. a state legislative issue, you know, that's, that's easily a year, you know, before you can even get anywhere with that. So we try to, when we're scoping our projects, we try to say, hey, we're going to keep all of that out of there. Uh, um, <clears throat> not, not that we'll ignore that, but that's not going to be our main goals, you know, as far as deliverables. And it obligates, some, phase two. it obligates some creativity first, right? Right. Yep. Yeah. All right, Sean, yay. What do you got there, brother? What are you pouring? This is a uh, rye by uh, Sagamore, which is a local distillery. Um, it was a gift from a customer 
they got it uh, branded with like their logo and stuff. Um, wow, Christmas gift. So that's hella fancy. I feel like that's a missing uh, conversation sometimes, uh, particularly like once you're outside of the lean field and you're in business, which is our customers, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which is the uh, calculus is not cost, it's value, right? Uh, any organization that's stuck on cost is going to make suboptimal decisions, right? Because cost is relative, right? It has to be value, right? Outcomes over costs type of thing. And then, you know, there's a, there's a, a sort of intuitive element to business, you know, a shrewdness aspect, just accepting like you don't have complete information, right? You don't know what's going to happen. You have to make a best guess. Um, and be able to think in the future, right? So I I could make a value decision that's really good right now in the automotive chips shortage that is going to mean I'm uncompetitive in 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where like reactionary business decision-making sucks, right? But back to Shanye, um, when's your new single coming out? Well, yeah, it, pro- probably we're going we're gonna to be launching it um, probably the end of May and I'll be going on tour. Um, we're thinking probably June, July, August, maybe September, but try to wrap up before the fall hits. So 2024 presidential run? You know, I'm not saying it's off the table, um, but I'm not willing to commit to that right now. There's a lot I want to do before I'm locked into something like that. Yeah, spoken like a true politician, so the answer yeah. must be yes for that. You communi- communicated absolutely nothing on a paragraph of the text. <laughs> takes up a lot of space in your newsfeed says nothing Mm -hmm. Um, so this guy must work for the government or something um (laughs) so speak so we were talking about stuff that's out of bounds you know and right like budget legislative it stuff with a long time horizon um is out of bounds but you know when we think of state governments obviously most of us don't think of the same level of dysfunction that we think of when we think of Washington DC, right? For, for most of us, you know, our states have their issues, but they're, they're pretty much getting it done. Um, but I imagine there's still politics. And in, in some states, you know, I was talking about Maryland, it's kind of pronounced because you have democratic legislature and Republican governor. Um, you know, you, you see some of those from time to time. So does politics ever get in the way of what you're doing? Um, or not, and what does that kind of look like? I'm just going to speak from my own perspective, and I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not a politically savvy person. As a matter of fact, I really just about despise politics. I'm like, just like you take yourself way too seriously. The serious. Ron Swanson, Ron Swanson of the DOT. Right. <laughs> I'm just, I just don't like it. I'm just, I just say what it is, move forward, stop taking yourself so seriously. Um, so my perspective is, I. I don't see politics getting in the way, but it certainly plays a part. Um, There's a particular project that I'm working with that is highly politically charged because it deals with grant money for the environment. And you have a lot of environmental lobbyists who a lot of groups that want to do great things. So they certainly want that kind of money. And you can see them positioning and maneuvering themselves Um, you, you and you can see just some of the negativity also that comes with that. Um, in regards to press releases and stuff like that, that's just like, 
uh, it's it's an it's a nuisance and annoyance, but I I'm not sure that it often gets in the way. Um, at gotcha. least in what in what in what we do, we we try to keep it at a um, you know a low enough level that we're going to be able to be effective in what we do and not get totally caught up. That's that's for the deputy directors. That's for the governor's office. Like let them dingle around with that. Let's just get together where the people are and say, how can we do what we do good? How can we do it better? How can we add value? And that's that's the, I think the fun part of my job is um, helping people think a little bit differently because sometimes they're so, they do their job so well, but they're so niched in their job that it's all about just nose to the grindstone. And they're, they sometimes don't think about, hey, what about our customers? You know, you're so right there in that office, John, you're not even thinking about, you know, what's going on across the street, what, you know, what's going on around you, you're just working there. So it's fun to come in and try to educate and think about, hey, what, what can we do? What value can we add to our customers? And what do our customers really, what do they want? I mean, we, we have a pretty, um, a pretty intense methodology or process about trying to figure out really what is a value add activity you know jake what you're doing you may find all the things in it you know are valuable as and they need to be there mm -hmm. but when we're talking from my perspective in the lean six sigma methodology value is is not about just getting things done value is from you know as, as you would understand in lean values from the point of view of the customer you may have a hundred steps in your process that you think, hey, all of these need to be there. My job is to educate you and say, Jake, those may need to be in there to move it forward, but what is the customer value? The customer value is this one, this one, and this one. That's three steps. So it, getting them to, to see things a little bit differently is actually is actually pretty fun. So not to, to go back, I, I don't I don't see a lot of um, political hurdles that we have to overcome you need to work in 3pl my friend <laughs> yeah right like it's less political to work for the government yeah. than it is to work for 3pl yeah no kidding <laughs> nothing well, okay yeah but let's be fair jake <clears throat> we're talking about poorly run 3pl right yeah. like yeah. so this is the world of of like transportation and then this is the world of third party logistics and then this is the world of well run third party <laughs> logistics you know this whole thing right here that's mm -hmm. a clusterfuck you know um yeah so you know we we poke fun a lot but we also understand like the enormous challenges people face especially you know when when uh, the sales department goes out and sells shit and then they call up ops and they're like Hey, we just sold this thing. Um, we need you to figure it out. You know, we're like, <laughs> you bought a contract to build the moon rover. We make lollipops. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> uh, it I do. Happens. I do, John. Think all companies either ship products FIFO, FIFO, or FUFO, and that's first in, first out, first expired, first out, or fuck you, figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That yes, um, for sure. So well, well, I guess that's good. I you know, like I said, this is kind of new for us, and I think of a lot of our listeners. Um, I was thinking in my mind like, oh shit, I started like a, a project, and then boom, there was an election, and now everybody's sticking their fingers in the pie, and I can't finish it. Um, but it it sounds like, you know, that's a more rare occurrence. Um, you know, yeah. with, with the projects you're running. 
it it for the most part again and, and that's that's some that's something that we try to do intentionally you know to mm -hmm. to protect the project because we really want to get in get it done and and give you the best experience that you can you know and move on and yeah. um, so we're we try to protect it but it, but maybe just because of where i'm at my own naivety you know maybe it is it is more of an issue in other places at higher levels i'm sure but i just try to keep to keep under that radar yeah yeah well that's just shrewd business right we all have constraints to what we want to try to do um i talk about the difference between kaizen and kaikaku um sometimes right which is you've got your 84 Caprice and, you know, you put new wheels on it and new carburetor. I think they still use carburetors back then, um, you know, and basically you soup it up, but you reach a point where you're done with that car. It can't race any car. It just can't, right? You need a new car. That's Kaikaku, right? Kaizen is I'm fixing up the Caprice. Kaikaku is I'm getting a new car, right? And right. It, in my experience, like those projects are the ones that uh, have the highest risk of disruption. Um, and, and it's the same in private industry, you know, turnover of VPs, directors, um, right. CEOs, board members can put the kibosh on that pretty quickly. Uh, and when you're changing processes, you know, that's where you get super fragile because, you know, the process is how you're creating value. And if you're in the middle of like revamping it and someone says, hey, you know what? There's a new dick in town. And I'm going to make sure everybody knows it. You know, uh, that's pretty risky uh, for the business. So we plan around those kinds of transitions, okay. you know, in the, the private sector as well. Um, yeah. I have found a lot in projects I've been associated with that just being honest with what's in and what's out is a real struggle, but a real key point in like the success of a project is are we willing to say, no, don't do that because it hurts my ego or it hurts how I think right. I'm valued in a job. And if we narrow what's in, what's out, and we come up with a project that's all in stuff, then like we can't lose. It just becomes a just do it. Mm -hmm. and we, we win 99.9% .9 of the time, but that's the, the what's in, what's out, I think is a key sticking point. Yeah, it is. And, and I think our, our methodology for some people, because we've had, um, we've made some hires from other people that were in kind of the manufacturing and more the lean world, and they didn't, it, it was it was a hard transition for them, simply because our methodology is, is very protective against those kind of things you're mentioning. So mm -hmm. we have seemingly a lot of paperwork. We have a lot of documentation. We have our charter that has our ins and outs. We have a stakeholder analysis, so we're aware how is Jake going to support us and how do we communicate with him if he is and if he isn't? We have communication plan. Um, you know, we have a stakeholder analysis and a risk register and, and all of those kind of things, not for everything we do, but for these bigger projects that we want to protect and make sure that, you know, if John brings me in to, uh, you know, to work on this as the sponsor, then I want to make sure that I deliver. So we're very protective of that. Um, in in our methodology, so that's I think that's one of the the um, one of the things in our favor. Definitely, things in our favor that we have going for us there. Yeah, that's good. Uh, to me, that's just shrewd business. You know, like I said, um, know your know your limits. What game are you actually playing? And I've had this coaching 
numerous times, I can't even count how many times I've talked to a company and, you know, they're talking about being lean or going lean or doing lean or something. Um, and I just start asking questions like, really? Like, is that what you want? What do you actually value? What are you actually trying right. to do? You know, and eventually it comes up, well, like Jake said, this is actually out of bounds over here. You know, we can't do this. This company is owned by, you know, an old white Catholic family from Alabama. And all of this is out of bounds based on that, you know, and then, but here's what we can do. Okay, cool. Now we can go win together, right? Right. Um, yep. Clarity, right? We harp on that a lot. We had Karen Martin on the show last year. Um, of course, her like sequel to the Outstanding Org was Clarity First, a great book that I'm rereading. Uh, shout out to Karen. Um, and one of the reasons that she wrote Clarity First in the Outstanding Org comes first, right? Um, and it's sort of the hardest to understand or dig into, partly because we're a lot of us just aren't good at it and orgs aren't good at it um, because clarity is like anchored to or connected with honesty and honesty is anchored to or connected with vulnerability. Right. And, and that's the thing is like, there's a certain point of like existence as a human where we're just defensive. Don't go there, bro. You know, like this is my shell, you know, it, it's, really strikes to the heart of what it is to be human because we all have this to some extent or another right yeah. and and so bringing that out and there's there's ways to do that that are more skillful and creative i think jake is actually really skilled at this um i tend to be blunt and direct not threatening um but maybe less skillful i might say it seems to me that you're frightened of this do we need to control for that and of course the answer is always no uh, whereas Jake will say, hey, I've got an idea. Why don't we just put this off the table? I don't think that matters. We'll go focus on this. You know, like, okay, yeah, that's a great idea, Jake. You know, uh, but it has to do with like, you know, internal psychology, you know, and who we are as people. Um, right. So being able to say this is just off the table because of politics or the governor's race is coming up or whatever. Or, you know, this is the how the company thinks. This is how the owner's think this is their belief structure just being able to be honest about that creates a foundation uh for winning so quite a bit of the work that jake and i do is really just sifting through that like it's unclear here all the way down here is somebody's feelings and that right. has this like amplified effect all the way up to the, the effectiveness of an entire corporation right and we, we try to uh kind of solve for that sometimes yeah definitely definitely have something similar in state government as well. Um, and and especially when, because you kind of touched on it, especially when you start dabbling in other people's work, they get very defensive. Mm -hmm. um, and from and what I found, it, you know, my experience has been in state government, what I found is they attach way too much of their own personal value to their work. So once I start messing with John's work and saying, using words like failure modes or, you know, you know, um, constraints, you know, things, things that, that make it sound like what John is doing, you know, is a non-value add, um, then John can get very defensive, you know, and no, this is, it is, I'm, I spend my entire life doing this stuff and you're telling me, so, so yeah. that's, um, a, a, a opportunity that I love to take with, with our, um, in our methodology and, and, uh, the, the way, the way we work continuous improvement 
is to make sure that I let John know, John, this isn't about you. Your value is already inherent in you. And this is part of, Jake, we talked about, you know, building people up through continuous improvement. Um, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's my pastoral, you know, kind of rearing, rearing its holy head every now and then. But John, this isn't about the work you do. You already have value in that. And I'm going to continue to tap into that value. This work is completely separate from your own value. This, what we're trying to do is, is make what you do great, even better. So, you know, that, that's part of, part of the challenge that sometimes is fun. And sometimes, you know, it's, it's maddening to get people to, to let go of that. No, if, if you take this away, what am I going to do? Like, this is all they know. And they're afraid, you know, fear comes into that. So even more, you know, that, that defensiveness, but yeah. that, um, uh, what can we, that, that valuing, valuing other people, part of it is helping them see their own value. Right. Yeah, I had a convo with a, a fellow last year and we do annual performance reviews uh, and it's tied, tied to compensation, which by the way, I don't rec recommend this model, but that's what we do. Um, and the guys just tapped out, you know, it's, it's been a, almost a decade and you know, he's making close to $30 an hour for a, a labor job. Um, and, you know, we just told him, like, we we just, we can't pay you anymore to do this, this work, right? It's not you, right? I can never put a value on you. You're a unique human being. And, you know, you're relying on your salary to take care of yourself. But you know what? So is your dog. The guy is not. Like doesn't have family, they're not supporting anybody else. So that's what, what we could come up with with his dog. Your dog's <laughs> relying on you. Um, you know, I, I can't, but you know what I can do? I can't put a value on this work. So I've, I've used that kind of uh, in reverse in process improvement, you know, where I'll communicate with folks like you have incredible value to the company. You have tremendous intrinsic value. I can't even measure it, right? But this work that we're doing, we can absolutely measure the value of that, right? And it's taking you, you know, seven weeks to complete this mortgage origination process. How can we get it done in six or five or one, right? Right. And just encouraging people that way tends to break a lot of walls down. Um, in terms of CI and state government, we've sort of gotten a lay of the land, I think, you know, like here's what's inbounds and out of bounds. Here's how people work together or work in silos, you know, in the, the departments and stuff like that. Um, I was wondering if you could share with us a project or two and, you know, some of the outcomes. Um, if anybody from Nebraska is listening, you know, maybe they can hear about their, their tax uh, dollars at work. Um, one of, one of my first projects is still, um, uh, still a highlight in, in my career. Um, it was working with the right of way division for the department of transportation, um, in particular, um, permits for utility permits. Maybe, uh, maybe you're a cable company and we have certain right of way, you know, 10 feet on each side of the road or whatever. And you want to lay some cable because you're going into a new neighborhood. So you have to have a occupancy permit for that. Um, and that process to permit, it sounds pretty simple, but sometimes that process was taking 
Um, I think we averaged it when I first stepped into this project around 20 days. And that was the average. So it means there were some that were a little bit shorter, but also some that were a little bit longer. Um, and there was some awkwardness. Uh, there was a performance guarantee that was required. So, you know, if I say, yeah, John, you have this permit, but, you know, it's going to cost you $500 to $1,000 that we're going to keep and hold because if you don't finish, you know, there's some requirements you have to clean up. You have to, you know, make sure that it's back to its proper use and that you're not tearing up the road or anything like that doing your stuff. Um, and then we have to find a way to give that back to you after you send it. And there was, it was just a complicated, weird process. Um, then coming together with the process team, and what I love about my job is I don't have to be the smartest person in the room. As a matter of fact, I am very rarely, I don't think I've ever been the smartest person in the room. So I, I don't you have came to, on this show. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have to have that pressure when I can let go of that pressure and just be, okay, you know what? I'm surrounded by smart people. Let me see if I can help them find different ways to look at things. And, you know, in, uh, we did a three-day event where I locked them in a room and we just mapped it out and we brainstormed and we, I mean, it was a deep dive into this process. And the end results were, we went from 19 some odd days to less than three to do this. We got rid of the performance guarantee. Um, so there wasn't that delay of money going back and forth. And just, you know, our, our utility companies that were working with us were just very um, impressed and very happy that we were able to do it. And we still, uh, I, I still keep track of it every now and then. I'm um, still check in to make sure that the wheels haven't fallen off and it hasn't fallen back into, you know, what it used to do. And it's holding tight at like two, five to three, as far as days of turning that around and, and completing that. So that was a really, that was a really, uh, that was a fun one. That was, especially going brand new into this, I wasn't sure. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm making these commitments to my sponsor saying, yeah, I, th I think we can, we can fix this. We can finish. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know what it's going to look like. Um, but that was a super fun one. And, and a, another one that, um, that I, I, is also a highlight. It's a little bit less of a, a drawn out process, but it was um, state patrol will take accident photos and then they will send them for they will send them to the DOT for um, just kind of storage. And I can't really explain it why, but a long time ago, years and years and years ago, found out that the state patrol literally didn't have space for this. So the DOT, we were in the same, we were sharing the same building at the time. The DOT said, sure, we'll hold them for you. So they started this process where they were literally burning CDs on or burning pictures onto a CD-ROM and mailing them to us. Like, who the hell still has oh a my God. Like, <laughs> good Lord, are you serious? And they were complaining about, you know, hey, this is a really clunky process. Is there a better way we can go about this? So immediately people started thinking, oh, we could do a portal and they can upload them and we can have storage here. And, you know, there's the retention schedule, blah, blah, blah. We're sitting in this meeting. And again, I'm just facilitating. I'm not the smart person. So I'm just taking notes, listening to people talk. And then, and then it was it was one of those, the fuck you say? What, what did you just say? Um, come to find out as they were talking that the DOT representatives were like, I don't know why you send them the, these pictures to us because we don't ever use them. And State Patrol's like, wait, what? You don't use them? No, no, we you just send them to us and we stick them in a cabinet so that if any time you ever want them, 
we can pull them out. We'll burn them onto a little, you know, it, it, send them in an email or whatnot. And I mean, it was just like, hold on, time out. And that was just, just, just having that experience of being able to sit at the table, facilitate, you know, go a little bit deeper than, oh, we have this solution. All we need is a portal to do something that no one needs done. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was like, oh man, that's, that's so cool. When we, you know, when you can break down those silos, sit people down, listen, ask questions and find out, okay, what do we really need here? What are you really saying? Huh? not necessary okay fantastic let's move forward yeah that's really cool i like you know in the second account you're helping the government be more efficient right which we all appreciate um what i liked about the first story is you know it highlights that a lot of business is um like the customer to state services um and so by improving the process you're keeping the wheels on business, right? And then we all benefit from that too, right? If we're consumers of what that business does, use the example of Comcast, you know, like I want my cable. Well, the price that I pay and the availability is directly related to how long it takes them to get a permit, right? And get cables buried and stuff like that. So there's, there's like a trickle down effect from that. Um, I'm not sure that uh, for folks that aren't, in business so you know jake and i have a business like we're in business um for for folks that aren't i'm not sure that uh the average person gets like how valuable the state is in facilitating business um sure there's so many it's not just providing the structure and the rules so we can all compete like on a level playing field but there's a ton of services as well um for small businesses and and so on and so forth. Um, yep. So in, improving that is, is a huge benefit to the the wheels or the engine of economic development and sustainability, you know, for for the community at large. So we we appreciate that and we appreciate the work that you do, Shane, and we appreciate you coming on a quality podcast. How can folks get in, do you care if people get in touch with you? Do you mind if people get in touch with you? No. I all mean, right. All right. I, I don't know that I have anything, you know, more to share. I think I'm spent now. I said everything that I have <laughs> in my head. <laughs> but yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. That. Just chained off and on LinkedIn. Um, I think that's probably the the best and easiest way. Is I don't have a book. I don't have a website. I'm not. A, I'm not cool like that. I'm not cool like Jake. I haven't written anything. <laughs> well, you're cool in our book, and we really appreciate you coming on to a quality podcast to talk about you know, continuous improvement in the state government, uh, something that we don't get to talk about a lot. You are the man. Thanks for coming on the show. For everybody out there in YouTube land, thanks. Goodbye. know you existed so thank you for showing us you're in the world <laughs> hey hey i exist look at me shane is a real person not just a russian avatar right